There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. IFM, soul to soul. This is Friday afternoon. Wow, I can't believe it. I've never done this before. I've never broadcast live on actual Purim because since I've started the show, we've never had a Purim on Friday. But to all of you, Amamish, Afrelech and Purim, welcome to the show. I have no idea what state of mind or being any of our listenership is at this point, since most of us have already finished our Suda and or maybe still in the middle of of the Suda, and who knows what state how how well we fulfilled all the mitzvahs of of the day, you know, maybe we've uh, drunk a little bit more than we usually drink on a Friday afternoon for lunch i hope I hope so, and uh who knows what's what state of mind we're in and I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth today, but we're certainly going to make an effort to make it a, a beautiful show. Of course, we have the dual uh, situation here where it's, of course, Purim, and it is also the, it's also uh, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Tetzavah, so we want to try to give the justice to, to, to both, and of course, learn some halacha at the end. So let's see if we can divide it up and, and, and uh, make something interesting for all of the uh, all of the segments of our show. So in the Pasha, it says, It says, Now you, Moshe Rabbeinu, bring near Elecha to yourself, Aaron, Aaron, your, your, your brother. And Rav Naftali Muravshitz interprets this Pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu is instructed to bring Aaron closer, right? As as almost a, a, a musar, as, as as almost a, an admonishment to our <laughs> to our, our quintessential leader, to take a lesson from Aaron's approach to relationships with people. Moshe was prone to isolating himself from people. He never knew when Hashem was going to call on him. Right? Thus, he was always prepared. His tent was outside the camp. While he was always available when someone called, he was not as accessible as Aaron who was known for his outreach in, in, in loving and, and, and pursuing a peace. As the great conciliator, he was always, how do you say, in the, in the trenches dealing with people's real life issues, with the terrible struggles that people were going through, be it, be it shown bias, be it relationships with parents and, 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 and children. And Hashem was actually intimating to Moshe Rabbeinu here, a real leader has to spend time with his congregation. And, and know what their problems are, know what ails them and what, what they are missing. He must love them and, and be so sensitive and approachable to, to all, all of them. 
And at first glance, this exposition doesn't seem consistent with the Moshe to whom we were introduced in Parshas Shmois <coughs> as a young prince raised by Paro's daughter. He could have led a refined life of privilege without a care in the world. Yet he went out by Yar B'Sivloisam and, and as Rashi says, he was Noise B'Olem Chavera. He carried the yoke with his fellow Jews. He joined his brothers who were being persecuted by, by the Egyptian taskmasters. It seems that Moshe's behavior was far from that of, of an isolationist. Right? One who is reclusive doesn't leave the comfort of his palace to break his back amongst, amongst his brothers. So perhaps you have to make the following distinction between mysterious nefesh, which is self-sacrifice for another Jew, and friendship. Many of us are willing to run out and help a fellow in need, regardless of, of the demands it's got to place on our time, on our money, and even our health. Right? How many are prepared, though, to sacrifice our time and even our own spiritual growth to befriend someone who could use a friend, who requires some guidance, some comfort, or some emotional assistance? How many of us are willing to spend time with those Jews, men and women, who are alone, single fathers, mothers, children, some of whom do not fit into the sort of mold? This is what is meant by friendship. When one is isolated, he is, he is un, he is un, unaware. A young Rav once told the Divrei Chaim, that he was unaware of the economic and emotional issues plaguing a certain family. The Rebbe told him that he had no business being a Rav. A Rav who isolates himself from the community should select another, another profession. Profound lesson to start our show today. We'll be back in a moment. soul for soul. And this is the Purim edition of the show. We'll be back in a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Hi FM. 101.9 Hi FM, soul to soul, back on your radio here in Johannesburg. On right in the in the middle of Purim. We are, Baruch Hashem, having the opportunity to spend some time together and spread some Torah as we kind of perhaps recover from our Purim Surah. Maybe we haven't recovered. Maybe we're still in the middle of our Purim Surah and preparing for Shabbos Kodesh HaBoleinu Le'Toyva. So let's talk a little bit more about the Parsha and then maybe we'll do something on Purim on the Megillah also. So the passage begins, the passage begins, Israel. You shall command the, the Jewish, the, the B'nai Israel. Doesn't say, Moshe, just, Now you, 
Now, indeed, the Torah, as we know, doesn't even mention Moshe Benu's name in this whole Pasha. And that's not random. That's actually by design. Because in his defense of Kaisel following the sin of the golden calf, Moshe pleaded that they be forgiven. And if not, he says, Erase me from the book that you have written. Now, when a tzaddik says something, when a tzaddik makes a declaration, it's not ignored. Therefore, one pasha, the one which usually is read around the seventh of Adar, which is Moshe Abenu's Yardzeit, is missing his name. From the time that the Torah records Moshe's uh, uh, entering the scene in, in Sefer Shemois, Pasha Shemois, until the end of the entire Torah, this is the only Pasha that is missing his name. He sacrificed his name in this Pasha out of his incredible abiding love for for Kaisa. Hashem turned to Moshe and said, Now you shall command as a result of Moshe's request to have his name withheld from the Torah, as a result of his extreme devotion to Kaisa, Hashem said, you be the one to issue the command. No name. Usually you would say, if I dabra Hashem or Moshe, Hashem said to Moshe, no, doesn't want to mention Moshe's name, no name, but you. Because Hashem always acknowledges and rewards self, self-sacrifice. Serious nefesh, sacrifice for Klai Yisrael is not uncommon. Jews from all walks of life have sacrificed themselves for Hashem, for Yiddishkeit, and for Klai Yisrael. What is more difficult to come by is to live a life of sacrifice. Kiddush HaChayim, sanctifying life, is the form of sacrifice that seems to be even more demanding than giving your life for Hashem. Right? We're prepared to fight to the death to sanctify Hashem's name. But are we likewise prepared to live a life of commitment and devotion, regardless of what Hashem asks of us? Chofetz Chaim was once traveling by train together with the Imre Emes of, of Ger. Word, of course, spread that these two Torah giants were traveling together. As a result, Jews gathered at every stop to gaze at these holy men and receive their bracha, even if it was through a, a, a rail car window. At every stop, the Ger Rebbe went to the window and blessed those who had gathered on the station. The Chavetz Chaim refused, claiming that this would be only a, 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 a that uh, that this world is only uh, antechamber, the vestibule, before the next world. The honor and acclaim one receives in this world diminishes the reward that he's going to receive 
in, in Alam Haba, in the world to come? Why should I benefit from imaginary covets in this world, Yost? The Imre Emes replied, for Klai Yisrael, to give a Jew satisfaction, I have long ago been, been mevate, I've, I've, I've given up my Olam Hazeh, this world, and my Olam Abba, right, in order to make other Yidin happy, in order to make another Yid feel good, says, I'll give up everything. The Chofetz Chaim went to the window at the next, at the next stop. Well, it doesn't need to be a big tamachachah to express his love and, and his commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu using the medium of Mesir's Nefesh, of self-sacrifice. The following story demonstrates that even an ordinary Jew who was not even raised in a strong Torah background, who didn't even come from an illustrious family, gave up his life to proclaim commitment to Hashem. After all, a life in which we must uh, 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 give up our, our conviction to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is, is not life worth, worth living. Story goes, for many years, Jewish boys in Russia, from even the young age of six years old, were subject to the evil decree of the Cantonists. Boys were taken captive and forced to serve in the Russian army for up to 25 years, during which time they were absolutely physically and emotionally abused and subject to all sorts of anti-religious laws in which Torah, kosher food, Shabbos, was strictly prohibited. The Tzemach Tzedek will often visit these brave soldiers to encourage and offer them emotional and spiritual support. He would repeat to them, a person should give up his life rather than renege on his Yiddishkeit. Even if the Tsar himself instructs you to turn your back on your religion, you should sacrifice your life rather than listen listen to him. Now, in most cases, this was like wishful thinking, since these men and uh, had been had been snatched as as children, and as a result had little or no Jewish upbringing, which would you know give them, which would inculcate them with a strong Jewish conviction and and commitment. Among the soldiers listening to the Rebbe was a sailor named Shimon Levine, a Cantonist who had been held captive for most of his life. He was an excellent soldier who enjoyed being in the Russian Navy. His friends were impressed by his bravery and uh, like kind of lovingly dubbed him that the uh, the Simeon Bodri, the, the Shimon, the, 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 the brave. Shimon received a high commission as a naval officer stationed at a base near the Black Sea. One day, his base was informed of important news. The Tsar 
was vacationing nearby and planned on touring the base. As the most powerful person in the country, the Tsar injected a sense of fear and awe in every soldier. In his honor, the base was cleaned perfectly, right? Mistakes were not tolerated in the Russian army. As part of their welcoming performance, one of the officers would perform an act of extreme bravery in honor of their their esteemed guest. Shimon Levine was selected to perform the act of bravery. As everyone watched with bated breath, Shimon stood at the bottom of the tallest ship, mast on the sea. He climbed up the mast without stopping, and when he reached the very top, he dove into the sea. He immediately swam back to the boat, climbed up, and saluted the Tsar. The Tsar was impressed. He was thrilled. Right? Simeon Baudry, I want to reward you at a celebration tomorrow, the Tsar declared. The next day, with many officers and important guests in attendance, the Tsar announced, Simeon Baudry, due to the bravery you demonstrated yesterday, I am promoting you and elevating your rank to admiral in the Russian, in the Russian Navy. But, I am Jewish, and according to Russian law, I cannot hold a position higher than an officer. The Tsar was surprised and embarrassed. So, so you will change your religion and become an admiral. Now! Shimon immediately replied, I must first carry out the same act of bravery that I did yesterday. Shimon ran up to the ship's tall mast and climbed to the top, shouting so that everyone could hear. He declared, Your Majesty, for 12 years I have served in the Russian Navy, and I love my job. However, more important than all this, I am a Jew. I have always observed Shabbos and kept kosher during these 12 years. I will never stop being a Jew. I will never leave Hashem. Shema Yisrael Hashem Lakenu Hashem Echad. Shimon took one last dive into the sea. Only this time he didn't emerge from the water. He had publicly given up his life at Kiddush Hashem to sanctify Hashem's name. This way, the Tsar could not force him to renege his Yiddishkeit. Shimon's greatest act of bravery was performed in death. May his name be a blessing. We'll be back in Romans 11.9. Chai FM, soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, on your radio, on Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Tetzaveh, but it's also right in the middle of Purim. So let's talk a little bit about one of the most interesting Gemaras around, around Purim, 
and that needs quite a little bit of of uh, of, of clarification. So the Gemara says on Megillah that Zayin Amud Beis, Rava said, "Chayev inish lebesumi bepraya." One is obligated to drink wine excessively on Purim. Ad la yoda until you can have the friendship on Baruch Haman or Mordechai. Between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. And Chazal relate the following quite disconcerting incident in, in connection with this, with this obligation. Mordechai says, Rabba, Rabba and Rav Zera made a Purim Suda together. They became inebriated with wine. Rabba rose and butchered Rabbi Zera. The following day, he asked some mercy on his behalf and brought him back to life. Following year, Rabba said to Rabbi Zera, no, let the master come and we'll again make a Purim Suda together. So Rabbi Zera said to him, a miracle doesn't happen every single time. Now, the all the commentaries struggle with this piece of Gemara, and, and the world kind of shudders after all. Rashi teaches us that Rabbah Stamu, Rabbah Barachmein, whenever, whenever the Gemara uses the word Rabbah, so it's referring to Rabbah Barachmein. Now, we learn elsewhere in the Gemara, Bar-Metziah Daf Ches, sorry, about a dispute that took place between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the members of the heavenly yeshiva pertaining to the laws of, uh, of Turas. Rabbi Ba'anachmeni was delegated to determine with whom the halacha accords because of his unique prowess regarding the laws of of Tsaras and the laws of Tumas Mace, of corpse, of corpse Tumma. Thus, it seems inconceivable that a man of such a stature would have slaughtered Rabbi Zera on Purim while fulfilling the mitzvah of getting drunk to the point of <laughs> oblivion. So let's begin to shed some light on the subject by introducing what is written in the Drosh's Chasm Seifer. So he presents an incredible Chiddush regarding the Kedusha of the Megillah. He says, the, he calls it the Or Kodesh, the holy light that is contained in the Megillah, is actually greater and more exalted than that of our holy Torah itself. Clearly, <laughs> his very, very bold statement deserves further explanation. So, let's try, perhaps, to, to suggest a, an explanation based on a very, very fascinating principle proposed by Rabbi Yehuda Modern, Zuchusa Yogan Elenu, who was a Talmud, of the Chasm Seifer in uh, in Priya Priya So he brings a Posak in the Megillah. The Posak says 
Zeresh, his wife, and all the others he loved, said to Haman, Make a, a, a tree, 50 amas tall, and in the morning go to the king and, and have them hang Mordechai on it. Now, we learn in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah that there are 50 Chamishim Share Bina Nivrubailam. There are 50 gates of Bina were created in the universe, and they were all given over to Moshe Abenu except for one, as is written in Tehillim, Vatachsureyu Ma'at Melekim. You made him slightly less than Hashem himself. So we see that even Moshe Abenu was unable to attain the 50th level of Kedusha. This led Haman and his advisors to conclude that surely if Moshe couldn't attain the 50th level of, of, uh, of, of Kedusha, then certainly uh, Mordechai also wouldn't, wouldn't able to attain any, any more than the 49th level of Bina. If Moshe Abenu, who was the, the greatest prophet of Klaisel, who had received the Torah directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, could not. So this exemplifies the the principle Gemara in in Nida that says, "If Rebbe couldn't teach it to him, then how could Avchia, who was only a student of his, have have taught it to?" Him? So we're all familiar with the teaching of Shlomo Melech, the wisest of all men in Kohelis Perik Zion, says, "Gam Hashem made the one in accordance with the other. This implies that only a person who has attained the 50th level of Kedusha can oppose and combat the 50th level of Tumah. Therefore, Haman and his advisors cleverly conspired to erect the tree 50 Amasai which would summon all their powers of Tumah to arouse the 50th level of Tumah. Then they intended to hang Mordechai on it, feeling confident that he would be powerless against it, seeing as he had not attained that 50th level of, of Kedushin. Let's just take this one step further. The Rav Yonis in, in Yaris Devash writes regarding Moshe Rabbeinu made a request in next week's Pasha. says, Reveal your ways to me, Moshe Asla Kodesh Baruch beseeches Hashem to reveal to him that 50th gate which had been denied to him. To which HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds, uh-uh. No human being can see my face and live. It's impossible to achieve the 50th gate and remain alive. Due to the intensity of the Kedusha, of the light, that the, the soul would simply 
leave the body. In order to, it would have such a thirst to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it would leave the body to attach itself to Hashem. Right? This, that's the end of, 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 uh, his, uh, his, uh, his remarks. And it says, The word na can be interpreted as an abbreviation for nun oiras, the 50 levels of, of, of illumination, which is what Moshevani wanted. So now perhaps we can begin to understand the, the, that the, the scheme concocted by Haman's advisors to invoke the 50th level of Tumah by erecting this tree 50 amas high, hanging Mordechai on that tree would lead to his death one way or another. If he somehow was able to ascend to the 50th level of Kedusha, to oppose the 50th level of Tumah, he would die. As the Apostle says, no human being can see my face and live. If not, he'd be powerless against the 50th level of Tumah. Hence, Haman and his entourage would defeat him with their superior powers of of, uh, of, of Tuma. Based on this interpretation, we can now try to explain how indeed Mordechai and all of Christ so together with him were actually saved, seen as they couldn't combat that 50th level of, uh, of Tuma that, that, uh, Haman had already achieved. Yet, an explanation is provided by the Priyoites based on what the Megali Amukais in Pashas Filchanan writes. He says, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was denied access to the Sharanun, that 50th uh, level, earlier he was privileged to achieve it before he passed away. This is uh, alluded to by Moshe says, in, in Pasha's Devarim, he says, Vanesha Bagai Mul Baseball. We stayed in the valley opposite Baseball. Now the word, uh, uh, Neshev can be interpreted as an abbreviation for Neshev Nun Share Bina, the 50 gates of Bina. Referring to the spiritual level, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe, prior him dying, he says, Alei Reisha Giva, or sorry, Alei Reisha Piska, go to the top of the cliff. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was hinting to Moshe that he would now attain that Sharanim, the greatest spiritual pinnacle that he was looking for, above all of the other levels that he had achieved in his, in his lifetime. And we could perhaps take note that the source for the Megali Amukas' comment comes from the teachings of the Arizal in the Kutei, in the Kutei Torah And he writes that Moshe did not attain the Sharanun in his lifetime. However, he did attain it when he passed away. And his words, in fact, are, seeing as Moshe's request was well meant, HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
ultimately granted his request. Therefore, when he departed this world, it says, Vayal Moshe may horahor el alhanavai. Moshe Benu went up, right? And the Shla Kodesh in, and there in Vaschanan explains the, the Arizal's meaning. It says the location of Moshe's supposed burial, which was a place called Har Nevoi, right? In fact, alludes to that Shara Nun. For the name Nevoi spells Nun Boy, indicating that he now possessed all 50 levels. Additionally, he ascended from the plains of Moi of, which has a numerical value of 59. So the Pasuk is saying, Vayal Moshe, sorry, of, of 40, 49. Vayal Moshe Me'arvas Mo'ev. That Moshe Abenu ascended from the sweetness of Mayav of 49, alluding to the 49 levels of being that he had, to Har Nevoi, to the 50th level, achieving that 50th level of, of Bina. So now we know that the first hey of the Shem Hashem represents Bina. Therefore, this is the allusion to Har Nevoi. Hey Resh is an abbreviation for Hey Rishina, the reference to the first Hey of Hashem's name, which represents Bia, and Nevoi represents that he now possessed all 50 levels of, of Bina. So now he says, says the Priates, now he can explain the, the roots of the miracle of, of, of Purim. As a rule, a person cannot attain that Sharanun and remain alive. However, after Moshe Rabbeinu merited attaining the Sharanun when he passed away, since then, Tzadikim in every generation are able to, to miraculously arouse that revelation of the Shar Hanun when, when needed. Kodesh Baruch Hu looks after our safeguards, their neshamas, so that they won't leave their bodies. Because normally one would. This, in fact, is what occurred regarding the miracle of Purim. Kodesh Baruch Hu revealed to Mordechai a semblance of the revelation of the Shara Nun that was revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu. And this enabled him to oppose and defeat the 50th level of Tumor. As a result, Haman and his sons were hung on the tree that rose 50 amas, 50 amas high. We could even present a, a very nice little tidbit from a posuk in the Megillah. Pasuk says, When Esther came before the king, Omar Ima Sefer, he commanded by means of letters, that uh, his whole scheme should backfire on uh, on his own head. And they hanged him and his sons on, on the gallows. In this Pasuk, we find 
an allusion to the source of the miracle of Purim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who's Melech Ma'achim Nochim, decreed that Haman's evil scheme, right, which was to destroy all of Kaisal, should backfire on him. Right? Haman had erected a tree 50 amas high to summon up all 50 levels of Tumah on which he planned to hang Mordechai. And the Pesach hints us that the Melech Ma'achim Lachim found Haman's evil scheme which he had devised against the Jews. The word Choshav could be interpreted as an abbreviation for Chamishim Shari. Bina, 50 gates of Bina. In other words, by imbuing the Jews with the illumination of that incredible level of the, of the 50 gates of Bina, Kaddish Baruch Hu turned the tables on Haman. And his sons were hung on the 50 cubit high tree that he had prepared for, for, for Mordechai. Right? In fact, Mordechai's own name Right, the, in Sefer Briskuna it says that the letters Mem, Resh, Dalet, Chof, Yud, if we rearrange them, they can, uh, 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 they can re- be read, uh, Derech Yam. Translated usually as a path via Yam. Yud Mem is 50. So as we learned, Mordechai merited paving a path through the 50 levels of of uh, of Bina. Yom, of course, is is, uh, is is fifty. So, having said all of this, let's 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 come back. So, the Shlach Kaddish actually says that Rabba didn't actually slaughter Rabbi Zera. Rather, he revealed to him the deeper mystical meanings of the Torah. And that intense, incredible spiritual closeness caused his neshama to, to depart. And we can go one step further based on what the great Rebbe of Galenu writes in Meir Nechacham. It says, interpreting this story in the Gemara, he notes that the very name Rabba connotes greatness, whereas the name Zera connotes smallness and, and triviality. So consistent with this notion, we find that in the Gemara Yushalmi, he is actually referred to as Rabbi Zeira, which means small. In fact, the Maharsha in Chidushia Goddess, Babmetzia, points out that in the Talmud Bavli, the letter Ayin from the name Zeira has disappeared. Hence, he's just called Rabbi Zeira. Now, regarding the significance of a name, so we've learned that the Gemara Brachas says that how do we know that a name is, is vitally important to to tell the future of a person. Gemara teaches that one's name has an effect on one's life. And he brings a pasuk, he brings a pasuk in, uh, in, uh, in Tehillim. So we can apply this to Rava. Clearly, his name reflects on his exceptional acumen, 
It was not for nothing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the heavenly yeshiva chose him to decide between them in, in matters related to, to Torahs. Therefore, it stands to reason that he was able to ascend to that Sharanun on Purim. Rav Zeir, on the other hand, whose name reflects smallness and inferiority, although we do not mean in any way to belittle the greatness and Kedush of Rav Zeir, was incapable of bearing the, the incredible perceptions that Rabba revealed to him from the Sharanun. Therefore, his life form left his body, right, in keeping with the dictum, you can't see me and, uh, and, uh, and, and live. Thus, you have a little bit of insight into what this very, very deep Gemara is about. We'll come back with some additional ideas and halacha after the break. This one, one for nine, Chai FM, soul to soul. Please stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, on Friday afternoon, which is Purim. Wow, this is, we are growing, we are getting there. This is now really the last few hours of Purim and just such a great time to have have grown, to have hopefully been a beautiful, beautiful day with the weather and, and all the activities and everything. Very different Purim, but an amazing, amazing Purim, never, nevertheless. As you always do at this point on the show, just to share with you the important details that we need for this coming Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Tzaveh. And that is that the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles this afternoon is at 23 minutes past 5. You can already get get ready, get get to action. And yes, I know we were busy today. We had the Suda. We had all sorts of things going on. But let's transfer from that. Let's sort of transition from that and move from there into the most awesome Shabbos, which is, of course, Shushan Purim and, and, and all the beauty that Shushan Purim uh, 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 entails. So 523 is the earliest time for lighting candles this afternoon. Standard Shabbos time for Johannesburg. This is the second to the last week where I'm going to be saying that is at quarter past six. That's when you really should get your candles up. That's when the shuls will be starting the Shabbos and doesn't make a difference what state their members are in. Davening will take place at, at quarter past six, the absolute latest time for lighting candles today is 6.23, 23 minutes past six is the latest time, which means Shkia is then at 6.41, wow, it's getting early already, 6.41 is Shkia, therefore if you want to be able to daven Meirev and not have to repeat the Krishna again. If you hang around till about one minute, till about seven o'clock, you can certainly daven Meirev and not have to repeat the Shema again. And of course, we have to sit down tonight and enjoy a beautiful Shabbos meal. It's such a beautiful, beautiful weekend to go from Purim into Shabbos. It's, it's quite, quite amazing. Baruch Hashem. Tomorrow is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas. And 
since we had Pashas Zohar last week and Pashas Para isn't until next week. This week is actually Afsaka, a break, no special laning, and therefore we will say the normal Haftira for Pashas Tetzaveh, um, which is, yeah, a Haftira that is read occasionally because in a leap year we'll always read it. If you are in Yerushalayim, this Shabbos, I don't know why you'll be there, but if you are, then of course they are in the middle of the most amazing and fascinating Purim because it's what's called the Purim Meshulash. Their Purim extends literally over three days because of course the, the, uh, they usually celebrate their Purim tomorrow on, on Shushan Purim. The only problem is that we don't read the Megillah on Shabbos in the same way as if you remember when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, we don't blow the shoifer. When Sukkot falls out on Shabbos, we don't shake the lulav. Chazal made a, a decree because we're afraid that people might come to to uh, schlep their their abaminim or their shoifer into the streets on Shabbos, which of course. Uh, is a biblical prohibition. There is one of the 39 Malachas we don't know about, about it very much, but one of the 39, uh, uh, biblical, biblically uh, forbidden activities is the activity of carrying on, on, uh, Shabbos. And therefore Chazal were worried about that. And reading the Megillah also was something where Chazal said, we don't read the Megillah on Shabbos because a person might need to learn how to do it and go to an expert and carry it in, in the Shusterabim. So they can't read when they normally would read. So, okay, so you might argue, well then why don't they do it on Sunday? And the answer is because the parameters of reading the Megillah as listed in the very first mission of Masechah Megillah is from the 11th which is the earliest date, to the 15th. 15th is the latest date. So they cannot read on Sunday, because Sunday would be the 16th. And therefore, they also are reading their Megillah today, on, on Friday. And since they're reading the Megillah, without going to the complexities, they're also then fulfilling the mitzvah of Matanot Levyonim, of giving gifts to the poor, which is connected to the Malacha, to the, to the mitzvah of of, of reading the the uh, the Megillah, um, now Shabbos, which is their actual Purim, because it's the fifteenth of of Adar. So what they do is on Shabbos they will read the uh, they will read a special special Maftir. What we read this morning in Shulva Yovay Amalek, they will read that. They will take out a second Sefer Torah and read that as a maftir, and then the haftarah will be, well, the same as last week, since they're reading the, the maftir about the actual war against Amalek, the haftarah is again, what we read last week, the, the, the war of Shaul against against uh, uh, Amalek, I think I, I'm, I may be uh, cor- stand on the correction, but I think that is the only time where we actually read the same exact Haftarah two weeks in, uh, in, in a row. Also, they will say Al-Hanisim in their davening and their benching on, on Shabbos. But since in the, in the way Purim was set up, 
it was instituted that cities that are walled from the time of Yoshua Benun, which includes Yerushalayim, and of course Shushan itself, if you happen to know any Jews that are actually uh, living there, although I do remember we did a whole thing on this station once where we uh, did go to Shushan. Um, uh, so then, therefore, the rest of the celebrations, such as the eating of the festive meal, the Sudas Purim, and the mitzvah that's connected to that, which is the malacha of Mishlach Manot, of giving uh, food parcels, that will take place on on Sunday. So it's literally a threefold uh, uh, Purim. The only sort of, I would, I guess you would call it dead time in the middle, is Moitzai Shabbos, which is neither here nor there. There's actually, I think, no Purim observance that's observed on Moitzai Shabbos. I guess it's a time for everyone to sober up after two days of of, uh, of drinking in preparation for the Sudas Purim and the Mishlach Manas the next the next day. So that's really a fascinating Shabbos. Of course, here, as I said, we'll read the normal Haftarah for Pashas Tetzaveh, and because it is Shushan Purim, there's no Avrachamim, there's no Tzitkoscha Tzedek, and Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 7.12, 12 12 minutes past 7 is the official ending of of Shabbos, and that will kind of bring to an end this amazing Purim Purim weekend, which really is something something quite uh, quite uh, quite quite special that uh, that we've been experiencing here, and it's uh, it's it's quite quite something. There's a uh, uh, just uh, we have uh, just a couple of minutes. Said uh, I once saw from. Uh, uh, you know, Melech says, I once asked my what's my greatest request? To sit in Hashem's house my whole life. And the obvious question is, why did Dovin Melech double up his language? He says, Right? Once I asked, That's what I'm going to ask. So, so he said as follows, that when we talk about a shela. A shela is usually a very small thing. And a bakasha is usually quite a large request. And uh, therefore, in the beginning, David says, In the beginning, I'm asking one small thing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking, that he should give me the merit to sit in Hashem's house. Because it's not such a, a, a honorable way to come straight away to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with, with big, serious requests. Right? Because uh, you shouldn't look like with someone that's, that's greedy. But this is so important and, and so, so uh, 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 vital that if HaKadosh doesn't answer this small Request, so then, then I'm not going to, I'm going to keep on asking. I'm not going to rest, I'm not going to be quiet until Akadosh Baruch actually fulfills my request. Because I really, really want that. And by the way, that's where they explain when Esther says to Haman, uh, 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 what's, what's the, what's the, uh, double, Expression, so it's the same. It's the same thing. A shela is a small thing, 
and if you can't grant that, then then I'm I'm going to push. I'm going to keep on pushing and pushing until my request is is granted. We keep davening. We keep pushing to Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem is going to grant all our requests. This is what I want for my friends, soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment, and this is the greatest radio station in all of Africa. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, here on your radio, on air Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, Tetzava, which is also Baruch Hashem, still the middle of Purim. Let's end with a very, very quick word. Haman is perplexed. Mordechai won't bow down to him. So he goes home and, and Zeresh, his wife, and all those he loves, I guess he didn't love, his wife, say, let them make a tree 50 amas high and in the morning you'll go to the king and they'll hang Mordechai and you'll be a happy chap you'll be able to come to the king's party there is a medrash although I'm not sure where it is that if that says that if Haman had listened to his wife then he would have not been, he would have not been killed Right? And in fact, because she said to him, Yasu eats, let them, let someone else make the tree. And he went and made it by himself. What's the understanding? So, uh, so I explains that, um, Zeresh had a very, very clever, clever advice. Because we know Hashem, created the world in exact symmetry. There are 50 levels of Kedusha, of purity, and there are 50 levels of, of Tumah, of, of, uh, the baseness and, and, and the purity. And, and we know Egypt had sunk to the 50th level. And even the Jews were just, just, just one level short of that. And if they had stayed there another moment, they could have sunk to that level and been unredeemable. And therefore Hashem himself had to go to redeem them because no Malach would be able to go into such a terrible, depraved area where 50 of 50 levels of Tumah and, and survive. It had to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. Now the Gemara says that whatever, when Avram serve the guests. Whatever he went and did himself, Hashem repaid him himself. Right? It says that uh, that when Avram uh, uh, went and 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 brought them the the, the meat, so they Kaisal got man. He sent someone else to get water, so it was always, always through a a because Hashem always works. Mida keneged, mida keneged mida. So Zeresh tells him, let someone else. Make the tree. If and if someone else makes the tree, then Hashem won't punish you himself. Hashem will punish you also through a shaliach. But no shaliach, since since Haman himself graduated to the level of the fiftieth level of Tumah, no shaliach could go near him. Therefore, he would be spared. But Haman couldn't wait. He He went and made the tree himself, and therefore Hashem could then punish him by 
himself. Rabbi Sa, thank you for joining us. Thank you for making the time to be with us on this beautiful, amazing Purim. And just enough time to wish each and every one of you a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful continuation of this great, great Purim day. And please God, we'll meet together Be'ez Hashem next week. This is 11.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. And wishing every single one of our radio family listeners a beautiful, warm, inspired Good Shabbos. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.